David McDonald, the CEO of Solar Africa, joins us uh, for another episode of What's Next. And uh, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. When I first saw it, I thought, well, listen, what on earth has wheeling got to do with solar? Because automatically when you talk about wheeling, you think, well, it's got to do something with cars, right? But wheeling is set to transform South Africa's power landscape. Businesses can now buy power directly from independent power producers, which are IPPs, uh, like Solar Africa, for example, thanks to virtual wheeling. And IPPs can now sell power to multiple off-takers, one-to-many versus the one-to-one traditional wheeling arrangements. Well, if it sounds complicated, that's why we've got the expert to tell us all about it. And it's a great pleasure to welcome you back. David, how have you been? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Aki. Uh, we've been keeping well. We're, we're very busy. Um, Mark is changing every day, um, but really good space to be in. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Well, let's start off with the basics. Some of our audience members have heard about wheeling. I, I must be honest, I heard about it for the first time until recently, where independent power producers like Solar Africa yourselves can generate power on a, on one side of the country and sell it to an off-taker on the other side of the country. But there's a bit more to it than that, right? Can you explain to us what wheeling entails? What on earth is it all about? Sure. Um, so yeah, essentially, as you as you mentioned, um, it's a offsite solar solution. You know, that's kind of built in high radiant areas. Typically, the Northern Cape has been traditionally where majority of the solar farms have been uh, been established. Um, but it's a mechanism that allows businesses access to cheap power without physically having a solar system on site, right? Um, solar Africa, uh, particularly, are building a site in the Northern Cape. Um, and this energy that we put onto the ESCOM networks will be generated from this farm and then we'll be able to sold to multiple business users throughout the country. Um, I think very notable is that it is at a highly discounted rate to the current utility prices, which is the main driver and, uh, you know, for, for adoption of wheeling. Um, and essentially it's based on a credit system on your bill. Um, and we can get into to how that op- how that works later on. Um, but you know, at this stage, it's mainly focused on kind of business to business transactions and it's not available for the residential market, but in time to come, you know, if we look at the European markets, it's, it's definitely something that's going to liberalize the market and, and give access to cheaper greener energy to, to, to all consumers. Okay. Um, I think tra- traditionally, you know, wheeling was only for your larger consumers, you know, the examples of your larger mines, your petrochemical companies. Um, and those transactions were done, as you mentioned, on a, on a one-to-one basis, um, you know, where we were getting to financial close purely off the back of the balance sheet of those off-takers. Um, now, with, with virtual wheeling and the change in the, the regulations in the landscape, we are allowed to sell from one particular plant to, to many customers, you know, which now allows us um, access to a, a diverse off-take or base of off-takers, um, you know, reduces our our the system size of of these customers and, and the potential consumption, um, you know, and particularly now we, we're starting to focus on the, the commercial industrial space, you know, your manufacturers, etc. Um, and that's kind of been the shift from traditional wheeling to, to virtual wheeling is the is the one to many factor. Wow, that's absolutely fascinating. So I assume that let's say I've got a, ca- a factory in 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 KZN, for example. 
and um, I'm I'm doing some power and wheeling from one of your plants in the Northern Cape that's generating power. I assume that you're going to use the existing infrastructure that's there to get the power to me, right, from Eskom, right? So, so essentially, you're paying a fee to Eskom to use their kind of network, um, and the power that comes into my business from you guys, I get billed directly from you. Is is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah, essentially. Um, so, you know, we've we definitely using the existing infrastructure, so we uh, have good allocation from. Escom, um, we connect our solar system onto their network. Um, essentially, we get a credit as we put those, those the kilowatt hour onto the network, and then we make sure that that credit gets allocated against your bill. Yeah. Okay. So, if you, for example, buy you know a million kilowatt hours from us, um, we'll we'll make sure that that million hour kilowatt hours are credited against your bill, and then you'll okay. get a separate bill from us, obviously so at a discounted rate to. Yes, yeah. so, so, so how how will my factory know that the power is coming from Solar Africa or it's coming from Eskom? So you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, right? So uh, typically, um, you know, you get a bill from Eskom at the end of the month, and they tell you how much you've used. Um, you don't know if that comes from Kusile or if it comes from a hydro station. You know, you don't know where it actually comes from at this stage, uh, and you'll be in a similar position. Right. Yes. The only difference is you will see a credit on your bill, um, which we have then in integrated with ESCOM to say, allocate X amount of credits to customer ah, Y, okay. um, and then you get a bill from us for the same amount of credits. Okay. Perfect. So, so essentially, you're competing with ESCOM on on rates here, you know, um, and you're both providing the same product, but you're competing against rates, which is brilliant. Now, you mentioned earlier that. You know, in the past, you know, you'd have the heavy duty guys like the, you know, the, in the energy sector and mines that would utilize it. But what type of businesses should consider wheeling? Um, so right now it's, it's governed by the, the, the wheeling regulations, which stipulate that you need to be a customer connected to medium voltage connections. All right. So that's kind of your 11,000 uh, 11, volts or 11 kV upwards. Um, and typically, we see those customers being your your commercial industrial customers, everything kind of above, uh, let's call it a 500 kVA or 500 kilowatt system. It's generally people who are connected to to uh, medium voltage. Um, okay. Examples of those, you know, your larger examples of those are your data centers, um, you know, and, and, you know, why it works for them is kind of they're very limited with roof space, but they have massive power cons consumption. Um, so we, so weeding is a good, a good offering from them. Your packaging and manufacturing sectors, you know, where, um, operational costs have a big impact on the business and they're looking to reduce those through, through cheaper electricity needs. Um, something like the automotive industry, you know, the, your OEMs and your tier one to three suppliers, um, who are under pressure from, you know, international uh, sustainability requirements. Um, and they kind of looking more for, you know, green credits then and, and potentially a saving that impacts their business. Um, and then, you know, your, your traditional guys like your mining, um, where the environment is not necessarily conducive to, to on-site solar. Um, so in general, it's everything from a small retail center all the way up to, you know, a large, large power consumer. Wow. I mean, and it's, and, and it's just a win-win for everyone, right? Because you, you, you're helping Eskom, you're taking strain off the grid and you're offering, um, you know, cheaper power to, to organizations. 
but you're actually helping Eskom along the way. And uh, and I guess it's brilliant. And for companies, uh, the biggest benefit, what would it be of wheeling? Apart from, well, the immediate one that comes to mind is that I'm, I'm going to be paying less for electricity. What are the biggest benefits? Yeah, look, I think so. I mean, it's, we've all have this, this, this aspiration to, you know, transform the world and get to net zero. But ultimately, you know, that's driven by commercial decisions, which is obviously your savings, right? So as I've mentioned, the largest driver is heavily reduced tariffs. Um, and we're seeing tariffs up to 50% cheaper than your current utility rates, uh, which is a massive saving. Um, other benefits are, as, as I mentioned, for, for typical customers who can't get access to solar because of their specific on-site requirements, mm. you know, small roof space, dusty areas, for example, cement factories, brickyards, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you now have access to this cheaper, greener electricity um, without having to fork out money up front for a large system um, to provide land or, or to procure additional land. Um, another driver is the contract flexibility. Um, so we've recently just concluded a portfolio deal contract. So with a company with, with many sites across the country under one contract, um, those contracts are flexible on tenor. So we can sign everything from 10 to 25 years, um, you know, and they can move assets or move properties in and out of this contract. So, you know, versus your traditional on-site solar where you're locked in for a really long time, you know, here essentially it's like buying data. You know, yes. if you move from what next you can transfer your, your data contract and that's kind of you know typically typically how it works and are you more soft a bit that's available essentially immediately there's no interruption to your operations you know those kind of small things yeah and 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 i assume uh, you know for example businesses that work at night are you able to store the energy and still sell it even when the sun is down for example or is it just uh you know daytime operating hours where you at this stage, typically it, it would be daytime. Um, it's done on a time of use credit system. So okay. where we generate in peak periods, we're able to sell it in peak periods. Um, but we definitely see that being a future product um, based on our tariff structure in South Africa. We have really high peak rates and obviously that to try and manage load and help ESCOM with the, with the curtailment as well. Um, so we definitely see... In, in future, us having large storage on site, increasing our capacity, putting that into batteries, whatever form of battery they may be at that time, and then selling that off as the as the market requires. That's brilliant. So if a business is watching this right now and they're saying, listen, this is it, you know, it gives us that flexibility of getting energy. It's it's it makes financial sense. How can a business get wheeling as we speak right now? How do what do they do? So essentially, I mean, you can reach out to an IPP similar to, to Solar Africa. Um, you know, essentially, you'll be signing a long-term offtake. So as I mentioned, anything from 10 to 25 years, and those contracts are virtual power purchase agreements. Um, and that will secure your wheeling portion of Solar Africa's grid allocation. Okay, um, ESCOM has, has, has recently changed the rules around how they allocate, and we can, we can get into that. But... Essentially, you you need to be need to be ready, and those IPPs uh, who have allocation, um, it is very scarce at this stage, right? So we are signing up virtual power purchase agreements um, prior to the solar plants coming online, um, and then essentially those those agreements are sized off of your consumption. Um, so we calculate your average predicted consumption, you know, in a time of use basis, peak off peak standard, um, and we structure our custom 
VPPAs um, to allow you to commit to a set amount of wheel power per month. Okay. Okay. Um, obviously, the seasonal, um, you know, well, certain customers are seasonal, um, and there is a level of commitment from a customer um, that needs to obviously allow us to make these projects bankable. Um, but that VPA, that VPPA can scale with your business. As I mentioned, like, for example, on a portfolio deal, we can move assets in and out. We can increase those facility sizes, et cetera. Okay. That makes great sense. Now, Solar Africa is one of a, of a handful of IPPs, as you said so a second ago, that are allowed to wheel power to off-takers. Now, a big part of this is getting your share of the current grid allocation, which you've done. Uh, apart from now having the ability to push power into the grid, why is grid allocation so significant in the bigger scheme of things? Um, so... Uh, look, like, like with most things in, in South Africa, I think there's been a, a lack of investment into infrastructure across the board. Um, and now we see that in the ele electricity space. So whilst our transmission and distribution lines are, are world-class, we just don't have enough of them in high irradiance areas, right? So at this stage, we are building solar farms where it makes most commercial sense, where land is cheap, the sun is, is a lot. And similar to on the wind side, you know, that's a little bit more specific to actually where the wind uh, blows right and we might not necessarily have those transmission lines in place to evacuate the energy from there to where it is being consumed in your high dense areas where the land is expensive and your yields are low right or your, your sun your sun yield is low um so getting access to those transmission lines in those areas is extremely scarce um and the importance of escom actually giving out this grid allocation um is them acknowledging that they need to be partnering with 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 private entities such as the IPPs to be able to generate more power to actually service their customers. Um, it's been a two-year journey for us. Um, ESCOM and NERSA have changed the rules along the way. Um, and that's comes. this was born out of the, uh, the REAP space, so your large utility uh, solar and, and wind projects, you know, with ESCOM offtake. Um, they, were, they were quite uh, prescriptive in their process. Um, yeah. And we had a lot of IPPs who had essentially had a share of allocation, um, but never had customers and never had a bankable project. Right? Yeah. So we had heavy grid constraint. They've now changed those rules, um, which means you have to have a, a, uh, a customer and your project must be ready. Um, and, and as I mentioned, this has been a two-year journey for us to be able to get this allocation. Um, the processes are extremely stringent. Um, and essentially, the only way we've got our allocation is we've had to build infrastructure for ESCOM. So we're building what, what is called a, an MTS, which is a main transmission substation. Um, and we're investing heavily into the substation, which after commissioning, after operations, we actually hand over to ESCOM. So they're getting infrastructure off the back of this, ah. um, which is allowing us access to their network, which is allowing us to put the energy onto the, the lines, which then we're able to sell off to our customers. Um, so extremely important moment in time that they're allowing IPPs to come in and invest into their infrastructure and giving them access and obviously allows us to sell that power on through to, to their customers at a, at a reduced rate. And that must be quite a big investment for you guys, eh? Yeah, I know. I think uh, I don't necessarily throw the numbers around. No, no, sure, But it sure, adds but significant I'm... cost projects. Um, 
but it but it is. It, I think it, it still allows us to bring on power at fifty percent cheaper than what Escom's currently selling power at. So wow. you know, even though it is a significant investment, um, it is still definitely worth it at the end of the day. Yeah. So do you have an idea of what percentage of the grid the IPPs will eventually provide? Is, is that has that been set up or defined by NERSA or Eskom, for example, that IPPs will ultimately supply 10% or 20% or is there no limit? No, there, there's definitely a limit. So there's an integrated resource plan that kind of gets uh, revisited every couple of years. Um, you know, but as as technology changes, as more energy yeah. storage comes online, you know, as uh, as markets develop, that IRP plan needs, needs to to be amended as well. Um, okay. So at this stand, I'm not too sure what the what the what the cap will be, um, but essentially we have a shortfall of energy in South Africa. Um, we have coal assets that need to be taken out of operation in the, in the coming years, and, and those stats are definitely available. Um, and they need to be replaced with, 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 with you know, other generating assets. And at this stage, the market wants renewable assets. Um, they want cheaper, cheaper power. And kind of, you know, the only way for South Africa to achieve that, essentially, if you look across the globe, is through through private partnerships um, and, and IPPs. Um, yeah, you know, it's, that makes it's, sense. It's model all over. And I mean, this is this is important for Eskom to part to to partner with the private sector like yourselves when it comes to power generation project. I mean, the the big question is why, but you've answered many of those questions. Uh, the problem is that there's a shortfall; they're not producing enough power. Are there any, are any other reasons why Eskom uh, is why it's important for Eskom to partner uh, for power generation? And another reason you just stated now is that a lot of the the traditional uh, ways we generate power are getting old, right? Yeah. So I think, I mean, ESCOM haven't got the greatest track record with, uh, you know, control on, the, on their budget and their spend, um, and particularly on these large infrastructure projects. Um, and I think that is, that, is, that is a fundamental change in what's happening in the market. Um, you know, uh, you've got investors who aren't necessarily willing to give ESCOM money to increase the transmission infrastructure, to increase new generating assets, um, so if they don't partner with with the private sector, you know we are never going to cover this this energy gap, um, which has tremendous knock on with the economy, um, you know, and, and and from there it's kind of downhill. Um, but essentially, through partnering with private sector um, on commercially bankable projects, they're getting infrastructure through these main transmission uh, networks. Um, to give you another example. We've got a number of other projects around South Africa, and to be able to get access to that to that grid, we've got to upgrade transmission line. Yeah. So essentially, the private industry, private sector is coming in and doing work that ESCOM should have done many years ago, you know, or potentially was on their roadmap. They just don't necessarily have the funds or the ability to actually roll that out. So right. that's kind of for me the the, the main advantage there. Um, I think. You know, the softer side of things, it builds trust. It's good for investor confidence into into the country. We're moving away from a monopolized energy market. You know, we, we liberalizing that energy market. Um, brings price tension. Um, you know, we're remoting, uh, promoting renewable energy. Um, we're able to comply with, you know, international uh, uh, net zero targets. Um, you know, it's, it's minimizing di disruptions. However, you know, there is... Is myth saying that if we put too much solar, we put too much wind onto onto the the grid, you know, we could also create the collapse. 
But that's why this integrated resource plan is so important for ESCOM. And ESCOM's job here is actually to, to, to manage that grid and to manage those resources and to balance it, right? Um, you're never going to get away with one technology providing power to the entire country um, and, and having a mix of wind and solar and hydro and gas and whatever it may be is what ESCOM needs to be focusing on and allow okay. those private entities to build that generation. And then they will monetize the wires that, that, that the country owns. Right? Yeah. I think if they can focus on that, um, you know, they'll get back to a profitable standpoint. Um, and then from there, through investor confidence, we're able to build out more transmission lines, which allows IPPs more access to the grid, and we can bring on more power, which obviously more power means growth, which means the economy is in a better state, bring on our more manufacturers, decreased uh, unemployment rates, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting. So Solar Africa uh, will wheel power into the grid from your utility. Uh, these scale solar farms that uh, have got, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, I imagine, of solar panels. Tell us more about it and, and what the road ahead looks like um, for your company. So we've got a number of projects across the country and they're in different stages of the development. Um, but if you're talking about um, advanced project, it's called Sun Central. It's based in the Northern Cape. This is the one where we've just got grid allocation from, from ESCOM 1. Um, it is a gigawatt facility, uh, so that's a 1,000 megawatts. Um, and essentially, phase one, which is what we've secured the capacity for, is a 300 megawatt solar facility. Um, there's an additional two phase to come post that. Um, but essentially, just to give you an idea of scale, that, that 300 megawatts is made up of about 560,000 solar panels. So it is, wow. it is a vast installation. Um, you know, and kind of where we are in that process is we've ordered all our what has it been placed for the long lead time, lead time items? So that's those massive transformers that form part of that substation that we're building on behalf of ESCOM. So those those have all been ordered. Uh, construction on site will start in January of 2024, so in the next two months. Um, and essentially, we're looking to bring that power on, you know, hopefully by the end of Q1, beginning of Q2 in 2025. Um, and hence why I said... You know, because we've got that good allocation, we have signed up customers already, there's very limited space within that first phase of what we've got left to, to sell to the market. Mm. So we're already out in the market set phase two and phase three. And then, you know, again, as I mentioned, we've got projects all over the country that, that we're kind of pre-selling. And because that's ESCOM's now process, you must come with a customer. You know, so for, for customers who are saying, well, why do I need to sign up today if I'm only getting power in 2025? That doesn't make sense. The real problem here is if you don't sign up today, come 2025, you're not going to be able to get power from anybody in the market because grid allocation is so scarce. And because we've got to put so much time, effort, money, and resources into building the infrastructure that allows us access to this grid. All right? yes. So if you don't move today, and you, you are definitely going to be behind the market. You're not going to get access to that 50% cheaper greener energy. You know, And if your competitors are doing it and you're not doing it, you know, that's a significant saving that you're, that you're missing out on. Gee, that's amazing. And, and just to, um, David, come back to the companies that should be looking at it. Um, uh, if a company measures itself on how many megawatts they use, uh, at what stage, uh, what kind of how many megawatts of power that I would use would make it sense uh, to move to looking at a product like yours? I think if we, I mean, some of our smaller, smaller customers, um, for example, we, we've got a fully fledged behind the meter business or a rooftop solar business, if you want to call it that. And a lot of our customers on the rooftop 
qualified or are signing up for wheeling as well. So the fact that you got solo on site doesn't necessarily discount the fact that you can also get wheeling. You can top with wheeling, right? Um, so anything from like a 500 kilowatt peak user and above is, is generally what would, what would, what would qualify today. Um, there are discussions and there are, they have, um, they are piloting a, a virtual wheeling platform that will allow aggregation of low voltage connections, you know, and that could be anything from a really small shopping center, a office park or whatever it may be. Um, there are administrative costs to wheeling. So you've got to have some form of, of scale there, but in those aggregation platforms, you know, LV wheeling will be something of the future. Um, but I think for now it is your, and your medium voltage customers. So anything from 500 kilowatts upwards generally, um, are, are, are what should be, should be trying to pick up a uh, majority of the market share at this stage. Absolutely fascinating. David, I've really enjoyed our conversation. David McDonald, the CEO of Solar Africa, talking to us about wheeling and, and how important it is and, and the benefit it's going to add to the economy. I mean, these guys are investing millions and millions of rands into infrastructure and it's all going back into the grid and hopefully making the economy uh, benefit from these actions. Thank you so much for your time, David. Perfect. Thanks for the opportunity, Aki.